This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. 33 is a praise and worship song. It is a, it it actually gives us some insight into some things David talks about a little bit. I I remember the first music minister I ever worked with in the sense of being on staff. I remember him using this as a, as a devotion for his uh, choir and, and uh, band and the people who played music. And, And so it was a it was a good passage to to deal with and to talk about with them, and then it goes into all kinds of other things. And let's just get started because it is 22 verses long, so it's important that we have some time to actually deal with it. It says, "Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous." Now remember, righteousness is something that's attained not by our actions but by our faith. Righteousness is trusting God and allowing him to change us. And then we become right with him because we trust him. And he says, rejoice in the Lord, all you righteous. That means praise God. That means to to spend time uh, worshiping God and looking out at the beauty of, of God at work and, and what God's doing. And says, for praise, for praise from the upright is beautiful. And I, I, I think that's both from a human perspective and from God's perspective. He says, for the praise from the upright is beautiful. Uh, There's nothing like people who are wholeheartedly and joyfully singing to God. I think of of really many of the most exciting times in my life were times where God's people were actually opening up their uh, mouths and singing joyfully to God. And I actually believe that I always hearken back to that Promise Keepers 19. It was either 96, I think it was 1996 Promise Keepers in Atlanta, Georgia at the uh, Georgia Dome and how beautiful that was the uh, first night of it on Friday night. And anyway, and, and, and oftentimes in the setting I'm in now at Lake Community Church, we have, we are, our people, you really can tell. In fact, the, the worship overwhelms the, the sounds. So you can hear the people louder than those who are leading. And that's ultimately what worship's about. That it's about God's people singing, not, not anybody performing. And so he says, praise the Lord with the harp. I like that. That's a stringed instrument. It's, it's not the harp that we, the harp that we always think about <clears throat> in our Western culture, or at least in American society. The harp we think about is that giant harp that's got so many strings on it from a very short one right at the end to the very, very long ones and somebody plucking that. And it does make a beautiful sound. But for them, they, they, they called it a harp or a lyre. And it was a handheld stringed instrument, not like a guitar or, or a banjo or a bass, but it was a stringed instrument that was played. And, and obviously I had no idea how it was played other than they used their fingers because I just don't know anything about that stuff. It says, make melody to him with the instrument of 10 strings. And apparently 
There was a five-string lyre, there was a seven-string lyre, and a ten-string lyre. And in the same way, there are guitars that have multiple. I think most guitars are five or six strings, but but I have seen all guitars with as many as ten, uh, eleven, twelve strings. And obviously, the bass guitar can have three or four uh, strings. And he's saying, um, make melody to him with the instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. And, and that is that is one of the things, actually, that we'll, we'll get into throughout the book, of, the rest of the book of Psalms. That thing will be hit on multiple times. And the reason is there's nothing wrong with the old songs. The old songs are great. But singing a new song brings about a new, a new word and a new praise from the Lord. And, and there's a reason why God desires for us to sing new songs to him. It's because we along with him, are the only beings in the universe that are truly creative, meaning that we come up with new things. We have the capacity and the ability. We were made by God to be able to do and to uh, uh, think and to see in a new way the world we live in. And the, you say the devil doesn't? Nope, he's a counterfeiter. He takes what is being uh, made or has been created and he counterfeits it for his own purposes. But man actually comes up with new things all the time. And in the bad sense, the Bible says that man invents new ways to sin. And if we have the creative ability and we live in the sinful nature, that would be the natural result. The creative being with the sinful, we create new ways. But likewise, we have a creative capacity to do great things. And you can just go through the fields of science and medicine and literature and poetry and even in, in, in building design and just multiplicative things, fields and areas that I could bring up. And, and the truth is that creativeness and design is is fast at work in humanity. And so when he says sing a new song, what God is, is what what David is saying is man was made to be creative and was made to worship God in, in ever increasing and ever more beautiful ways and ever more exciting ways and that 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 our new songs give us new ways to worship him and, and that is a exciting part of who we are to God. And so he says sing him a new song play skillfully with a shout of joy. And so many times I, I talked about being reverent recently. So many times we think church is, is to be reverent. Church is to be celebrations. And it's a celebration of what who we have and what he is doing in our lives. And we can even celebrate God in the midst of sorrow and grief. And we can find uh, the joy of the Lord in the midst of the worst of times because his his love is uh, never failing and his joy is good. And so he says, for the words of the Lord is right. Uh, for the word of the Lord is right. And and he, he is saying, we should do these things because God's truth is right there for us. It's, it's right. It's perfect. It, it hits at the right moment. And notice the mixing here, even in David's thought processes of, of worship and God's word mixing together. And I've already spoken many times and, and will again, that that's the whole purpose of why we do. When you're a kid, you, you, you get on up into older age and you begin to think through things and you go, why do we sing and then have a sermon? Why do we do that? Because our soul is what God is saving or in the, is in the salvific process or being sanctified.
And our soul has two aspects to it. One of them is the heart or the passion, and the other is the intellect or the mind. And and God wants our worship to involve both aspects of our soul so that our soul might be grown and matured and saved. And, and you have the heart and the mind, the, the passion and the intellect. And as those things uh, are come together in worship, our whole soul is given over to him or our whole life is placed in his hand. And so when we worship in spirit and truth or passion and intellect or righteousness and joy. And so he says, for the Lord, for the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. So we can have both of those things that we can have a very logical, thought, thoughtful, thought through process of thinking about God. And we can have a very emotive, emotional, joyful experience with God. And you ought to have both. And so many times you, we have people who want to have one or the other. And so the church becomes so, they got great worship. And then the word part is not, doesn't even deal with the word a whole lot. And then you've got churches who have, we have a great biblical teaching and uh, <clears throat> thought provoking and powerful and then the worship is just, it's, it's all the, it's just flat. And the truth is, we, in order for God to really make life change in, in a people, you really got to have both. And if you don't have both, you're missing out. He says, he loves righteousness and justice, which means he loves to, he loves the righteousness that comes by faith, but he, he does do justice if there's no faith. If the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And it really is. I was, lamenting yesterday. That's a book in the Bible, Lamentations. I was lamenting around one of our church people that I see sometimes during the, during the day because of they, they did, they're in the court system. And I was lamenting about an issue or situation. And, and they said, oh, that's the biggest trouble. Then it's not that big a deal. And that was very straight to the point. And I thought about it for a moment as we were in the group discussing things. And the truth is that was right. The, the momentary pangs of this world or the momentary issues that we deal with each and every day, really, even though they tend to consume our soul, they consume our thoughts and they consume our passions and our, 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 our desires, that, that even though that's going on and that happens all the time, the truth is that the long, in the long view, they're really nothing. And so he says, by the words of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So that literally says that God spoke the universe into existence. He says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Not meaning that he had to do anything physically to form it. It literally, everything that we see and everything that we know and everything that we conceive of was, was created by God through the very word of his mouth. And that's why the word of God is so important. It is so important because it is so powerful. He says, he gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. What he's saying is I, I made the earth and the thing that they can conceive of that is more, gi more gigantic, more enormous that David can conceive of that anything he's ever seen is the sea. And he says, God just kind of heaped it up. He kind of put it all together like it, like nothing. And he says, and he lays up the deep in storehouses. 
meaning that meaning that it it is so deep and and I have no clue what's and the truth is on planet Earth the one area of the Earth that's not been explored nearly as much as anything else is the bottom of the sea. And, and we're just now even having the capability of doing some exploration down there. And we're talking about minor exploration. We're not talking about living down there or, or uh, working down there. We're just talking about visiting with rovers and, and submarines. And so the, and the seas are the greatest part of the Earth. They're, they're the majority of the Earth. And we're, we have no... No real knowledge, intimate knowledge like we do of even the forest and some of the great expanses of the north, Alaska and Antarctica and, and northern Canada and all those places and the Amazon. We have not yet fully explored all of that. And so when he says that God has created this wonderful place, we think, we think ourselves so great and powerful as to be able to destroy it. But the truth is we don't even know mostly about it. And so he says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, which means there needs to be a recognition that he exists and that his power is great. And Romans tells us, Romans chapter one, that all that might be known about God, his eternal qualities, his divine nature is clearly seen in that which was created. And that's true. It's not, when I say that's true, it seems so weird. It's true that God created everything and that his qualities and nature are seen in that which he made. He says, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. I, I, I was reading yesterday another article. It was in Fox. It was on Fox's homepage. And it was about uh, a new another Christian artist I'd never heard of him. It seems like that's that's one of the things that happens is somebody that you've never really heard of makes the announcement that they no longer believe in God, and we call them Christian influencers. They influence the Christianity, and I don't know who made them influencers. I don't know what who who what group or organizations. Uh, looked at their life and said, this is somebody we want really to influence Christianity. But because of their promotion and and their ability maybe to sing a little bit, but wasn't powerful because the Holy Spirit's not, their songs are not that that great or their writings or whatever, because I've never even heard of them, that they get the, the opportunity to smirch and say that I'm struggling with God. And I, I understand people struggle with God. I deal with people who struggle with God every, each and every day because that's what the Christian faith is about, is struggling with God. But that's not like the Apostle Paul uh, saying he doesn't believe in God or Ravi Zachariah, who passed away last week, saying he doesn't believe in God. It, it's not the same. It's in many ways a child saying that they're not sure about who God is. And I pray for that person. I pray that, that um, they'll come back to the things that they knew in the beginning. Usually what it is, that type of thing is caused by a person who reads God's word and doesn't like what God's word says. And so therefore they rather than dealing with God and figuring out how God is at work in that thing and, and why God uh, sees uh, things the way he does, because he is the creator of all things, rather than dealing with them, they just take the ball and go home and say, that's how you are. I want to do what I want to do. And they're like the uh, prodigal son. They want to go off in the far country and do their own thing. And that's supposed to be some kind of uh black mark on Christianity. Well, it's not. It's not a black mark on Christianity. And it's not something to even be worried or concerned with. 
because God's dealing with that person and he will straighten that out eventually. The problem is oftentimes as young people, we make decisions like that and that decision follows us the rest of our lives. It, it, it causes uh, difficulty and struggles down the road that, that we never foresaw. And we just willy-nilly decided at, at 23 or 24 that we were going to make this life-changing <coughs> life decision. And especially with social media and, and the like, I remember when I was 22, if I did something stupid, nobody except the people around me really knew it was. And now we have a permanent record of it that lasts forever and ever uh, because we not only do stupid things, we place those stupid things on social media. We just we don't do, we act unwisely and then we want to celebrate it to all our friends permanently forever. And that's the struggle I have with all that. Anyway, I don't even know why it went down that road, but it struck me as such. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Verse 10, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. Meaning it doesn't matter what people think. He's in charge. The nations can come together and decide to do one thing. And if God has decided the other, it's irrelevant. It's to nothing. And the same is true in that situation I was just talking about. Just because you want, you want things to be your way doesn't mean that they will be and doesn't mean that they are. It does not mean that they are your way. God's way is his way, and it is the way, and there is no other way. And you can kick against the goads, you can fight it, you can wrestle with God all you want to, but the truth is learning and knowing his ways is where life is found. And otherwise, the nations can try to come up with their own thing. And we talk about a one world order. And I do believe there is a strong desire by the elites of the world who want to control the world to put together a one world order. And there will be a one world government, not a not fully in control, but economically controlling the world one day. And you know what? It won't last either because all of the thoughts and strength and power of humanity cannot stand not one millisecond against the holy God. And he says, he makes the plans of the people of no effect. Notice what he says. He makes their plan. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. That's verse 11. The plans of his heart to all generations, which means what God says matters and it lasts forever. I pray that for those who've made decisions and decided to announce them all over the internet and all over uh, social media, I pray that God will maybe one day bring those things to an end so that they won't stand against them. He says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. He says, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Now, remember, David had a very nationalistic view of a relationship with God because Israel was the people that God had chosen to be uh, the bearer of his truth and his light. And the Old Testament is very nationalistic as the Jews and, and, and Israel is concerned. We understand in the New Testament that God's relationship goes from people groups to people individually. And now in the Revelation, they go back once we're uh, called up to heaven. But for this time in this season, God is a personal God. Back then, even though David uh, very clearly had a personal relationship with God's dealings with humanity generally had to do with the nations. He says, the Lord looks from heaven. <clears throat> he sees all the sons of men. 
From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants on the earth. Notice God saying, I know everyone. I see everyone. I, I have an intimate knowledge of everyone there. He fashions their hearts individually. Notice what he says there. He says, I know you individually. David said, David later on say, I knew you before I knit you in your mother's womb. God has a personal, unique relationship with every human being who has ever been born and even those who have not escaped the womb either by uh, disease or by the work of the hands of others. We live in a day and an age where the most dangerous place to live on planet Earth, by far, now you need to hear this, the most dangerous place to live on planet Earth by far is in your mother's womb. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 50 million babies are killed around the world each and every year. And God knows you personally, and he knows every child in his mother, in his or her mother's womb personally, and he knows them intimately. And he fashions their hearts individually, meaning they're very unique. They're their heart being their passion of the soul, the, the emotions of their soul. He, he fashions them individually. He does not, it's not, a, it's not happenstance. It's not something that's not planned. He knows us, each and every one of us, and he considers all that we do, all our works. He says, no king is saved by the multitude of an army, meaning, meaning no matter how strong or powerful you believe yourself to be, you can easily be destroyed. And I think back over human history and how true and absolutely true that was. I think about the Spanish Armada, which was basically destroyed by a storm at sea. And then it, it, after it was weakened, it was finally destroyed by a much smaller naval force. I, I, I think of the Persian army numbering in the millions fighting Alexander the Great and his army numbering in the one to 200,000 and how that great Persian army was wiped out and destroyed by a force 10 times uh, smaller than the one that it was fighting. And, and you can go throughout human history and see that no matter what your military strength is, that is a king is not, is not saved by the military strength. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety, meaning even if you have a horse to escape, that's the fastest thing that they had to move about the earth on. No matter if you have a rocket that can get you away, it's vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. And see, what can deliver you and what can save you is God himself. And his eye is on you because he knows you. He knows you intimately. He knows you personally. He says, on those who, who hope in his mercy, meaning he's asking you, that's that word hope there, faith, hope, trust, believe. It's that, it's that holistic thought, that complete thought of placing your whole existence in his hand. He says, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, who trust, who who recognize how mighty he is and those who place their hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. See, God is our sustainer. God is the one who provides. He says, uh, so many times we seek for our own provision and we scheme for our future. And the truth is this, if we placed our hope and our trust in him and allowed him to do his work and his will 
to its finality, we would be far better off and we would end up in a far better place. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. He's not only the one who is providing, he's the one who is shielding us from the pain and the difficulties of the things that, that are before us. For our heart shall rejoice in him. Does your heart really rejoice in God? If you're at Lake Community Church, I've seen you rejoice in him. I've heard you. I'm up front, got my back to you, but I've heard you rejoice in the Lord because we have trusted in his holy name. We've trusted in his holy name, which is symbolic and, 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 and relates to us, his character. He says, let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us. He's saying, let your uh, free gift, your wiping away of the uh, pain and the judgment of sin, let that be upon us just as we hope in you. And really, as you go through this psalm, it's a winding path, isn't it? it this the, and, and a lot of the psalms are because your heart does that. Your heart winds through the day and it, it, it comes upon issues and it ponders them. And sometimes it allows itself to be anxious or worry or doubt. And, and then sometimes somebody will say something like was said to me yesterday. That's just not that big a deal. And then you you move away from it and look back upon it. And you, That's right. That will, that will resolve itself in due season. And, and then you just move and move around through life and you ponder and, and think about things. But if, you're, if your perspective is always looking through the lens, you're just taking that lens and looking through it. And that lens is God's perspective. Basically, I'm taking God's word and I'm measuring it up to the things that I'm seeing out there around and what God has to say. And the only way to really do that is to know what God has to say. When I ultimately do that, the truth is I, I, I have a real perspective on life when I have his perspective on life. And I hope that's true for you. It can be true uh, more and more each day if you will allow his word to wash over you and to change you. It is uh, a powerful word. It is it, I'm always enthralled and amazed the number of, of people over thousands of years living on three different continents who, who played a part in writing this and, and relating it to us who came from multiple cultures and multiple backgrounds and who, who, whose stories and whose work fit together like a seamless silk garment and they clothe us in God's righteousness. And so if we can see the world from God's perspective each and every day, as we wind through our days of, 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 of walking, it seemed like I started at eight yesterday and 4.30 was only before I knew it. But the walk of life becomes easier when it's walked in the hands of God and in the sight of God. And I just want you to know that he's watching and he is, he's at work in your life. Please uh, take a moment and try to find where he's at work and see it, enjoy it, celebrate it, and maybe even be a part of it. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.